0: Adora Nwafor is a small business owner, a mother, writer, producer, comedian, public speaker, activist, actor, model, wardrobe stylist, and an anthropology geek based in Calgary. I don't think there's anything she can't do. (laughs) But as a 25-year-old, Adora was busy studying anthropology and raising her 2-year-old son. Even though some things didn't work out as she planned back then, one thing was certain: She knew who she was, and that strength allowed her to thrive and build her own path. Please join Adora and I on this conversation. We talked everything from Adora's experience as being 25, to self-doubt, being anti-racist, the joys of life, and her new period care company, Freed. I hope that you liked the episode and laugh as much as we did. Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is weird because it's fun, confusing, and exciting all at once. (laughs) It's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with, an age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project after hitting my quarter-life crisis. (laughs) I decided to look for answers and ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I am a firm believer that listening is a powerful tool. Even if all the answers are within us, by listening to others, we can feel understood but also reflect on ourselves, learn, and think about what we want for our present and for our future. Thank you again, Adora, for being here and for your time. I'm very excited because we chatted earlier (laughs) last month. So I wanted to start off by asking you what's your age and your title or how will you describe yourself?
1: My age is 46 as of taping, but in 23 days, I will be 47. My title is... Writer, producer, host, dot, dot, dot. And what was the last question? How do I see myself as a Yeah, writer? like
0: how will you describe yourself besides your like titles?
1: Yeah, I would describe myself as uh, the awkward Amazon goddess next door.
0: I love that. And by the way, so are you a Sagittarius? I am a Sagittarius. <laughs> that is awesome. So... Adora, I want to ask you, so this is like the main question, I guess, but what did you do when you were 25? Um, were you in school or were you working or what did you do in your free
1: time? I was in school full time. I I was at Mount Royal College. Oh, way to date myself. I was taking university transfer, but that's when I really fell in love with anthropology. So... It was my intention to transfer for anthropology. So that's what I was doing on my everyday free time. Not a lot because I was a single parent going to school. Yeah. So that was fun. (laughs) How old was your child when you were
0: a parent at 25?
1: Uh, My son was two. Okay. Yeah. So his birthday is literally two weeks after mine. Yeah, he he uh I did some growing up with him too. It was oh, let me tell you, for sure challenging, but I loved school. I loved anthropology and I loved my kids. So, I was just busy doing all the things that I needed to do. Getting up early in the morning and I lived in the far northeast, so it was a pretty good track. My son went to daycare every day and we pretty much loved the daycare. Part of why I advocate for some of the things that I Uh, do in the world because my son's daycare director, like I knew personally, they had taken care of me when I was young. They were a black person, the cook, like we still love that cook, made Caribbean food. So my child was exposed to that. There were other black kids, children of color, white children at the daycare. So it was a beautiful place for him to grow and learn and develop while I was learning, growing and developing.
0: That's beautiful, like he got exposed to all the colors of the, yeah, yeah, all the ice cream colors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the vanilla, the chocolate, the salted caramel.
1: All kinds of people, all kinds of like cultures, all kinds of even like classes of people, you know, like middle class, low class, mid to high class, all kinds of kids. And we also knew ourselves within the community and the culture and church, like so many layers in that one room. It was such a, I don't think it's there anymore. And it's a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of my school when, from when I was in kindergarten to high school, it was like that too. Like my school was huge. So, yeah, like all kinds of classes, but I, but this was in like Mexico, but it was just a great diversity of like, like I wouldn't say like cultural like backgrounds, but like all kinds of families and kids. And I loved that just being able to have that community that was so different and being able to connect and being exposed to so many different lifestyles
1: exactly that that's why i love anthropology and that's why i keep showing up with people because they have not convinced me quite yet (laughs) they're trying me but
0: (laughs) and adora so you were really busy at 25 and and like from what you're saying I'm sure that it wasn't easy. Like you said, it was challenging. Because having a kid is a huge responsibility, right? Yeah. But I really loved what you said about growing up with your child, right? So I wanted to ask you, what did you think when you were 25? So did you have a vision of the world? Or you mentioned church, so did you follow a religion? Or did you have a big belief, like a mantra or something?
1: (laughs) Who? When I was 25, I believed (laughs) that I was going to change the world and I had no idea how I was going to do it. Uh, It probably wasn't at the forefront of my mind, but I definitely knew that I was doing things differently than the majority of people that I knew. And I wanted that to be like regular Just like you, we all don't have to do the same thing. And I'm going to find out why I'm different and why that makes a difference. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to uh, take anthropology and get into oil and gas (laughs) to interrupt the way that uh, oil and gas companies go about interacting with Indigenous people and the land and uh, the way that they practice and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's interesting because I did end up taking a petroleum land administration course, and I never worked one day as a petroleum land administrator. (laughs) But yeah, I was definitely deciding that, as I had always, (laughs) that the world was not going to tell me how I should exist, but also like pushing back on the things that I had done that I thought were normal and typical. For instance, like you were saying, you know, church, I was a seven-day Adventist growing up. And by the time I was 25, I was no more. And so I was excommunicated from the church because I had a baby. Yeah. They didn't ask me if I had premarital sex. They didn't ask me how it happened. They just knew that I had a baby and kicked me out.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Point of pride, because if nobody asked me, that means that nobody cared. Yeah. So you can see their true colors. You see their true colors. And I 100% had premarital sex, (laughs) but like, let's have a conversation about it if this is supposed to be about community, you should be talking to the people who have been in your community. And so I was pretty salty about it, but I also felt like, I felt like I was a good person and I had gleaned many good things from church. So how can I mitigate this? And I probably wasn't, you know, front of mind at that time uh, at 25, but I do remember (laughs) feeling very objectified and then just leaving one day my son said to me who's been a long time since i thought about this somebody said to me that i was fat and my son asked me mommy why are they saying that and i said well because i'm a big person and he was like they're saying it like it's not good like he did not say all those words but i could see it in his face like confusion and i was like nope he will not be back. no that's not okay Because my son is biracial, so he already does not exactly match the color that I am. So people will separate us from being a family. Because I'm a single parent, people will separate us from being a family. And because my son does not have his father's last name. And because he is my child, we are family. But he doesn't have to have his father's last name. I was just talking about this the other day. Yeah, that man should ask me if he's allowed to put his name on my child. That's what they should be asking in the hospital, not me asking that man if I could use his name for this. Is my baby, yeah, no, 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 no. that's my you child. carried him for nine months. That's right. I know where he came from. I know what's going on. If you don't believe so, well, then that means you weren't in the bed. Oh, you were in the bed. <laughs> so yeah. Now that I think about it, I was probably mature beyond. What a 25 year old, a typical, you know, 25 year old would be. But at the same time, I was finding out who I was outside of this very, I don't want to say rigid, but definitely laid out version of, you know, life. As I was moving away from the church and this very much, you go to school, you graduate high school, you go to university, you're at church, you volunteer there might be a career, <laughs> you get married, have children, and you know, you might continue career, you might not. And so for me, I was never the kind of person who was like, I'm going to get married. I did think, okay, wedding, because it looks like a fun party and good outfits. And you get a vacation after like, that's <laughs> a great day. <laughs> married. Mm, mm whom (laughs) the people that i wanted to marry didn't really want to marry me so um i was very much like and i was kind of what they call like a late bloomer like i didn't really date because i'm giant size and i was like smart and i'd be like no i'm not doing that i'll be in trouble you know not a perfect kid but for sure i was like this is not worth it for me so i'm probably still at that place <laughs> um but yeah so being an unwed mother because that's kind of what it was like that you know a single parent single mom uh i was just like, I'm going to do what's good for me and what I like. And I did kind of still hold on to some of those ideas about going to school. And there's a pathway to success. There's a pathway to comfort. And at that time, I didn't think it was comfort. But I wanted to make sure that my son had a roof over his head and that he was fed and that he had all the things that he wanted. And the days that I could not provide that, I was heartbroken. For the most part, we did great. 25 was was decent for the fact that I changed a lot of things in my life. I left my son's father. So even though we were in a relationship, we did not live together. Things were rocky all the time. <laughs> I used to say he only changed eight diapers in two years and I was real salty about it. Oh yeah, he was not hands-on like that. You know, not to bash him. We were both young. <laughs> That's, I'm going to that's the end of that um <laughs> I hear like trying to hold back <laughs> like it's not about him I didn't want to be in that kind of relationship I didn't yeah. want to be with somebody who made me feel like that and so that's my responsibility not his yeah you so were looking out for like, yourself we're done and this is not good for my child so I very much thought about how your family and your parents can impact you. And I I did not want to be a miserable parent. So I was like, see ya. Yeah, I was determined. School was great. It was doing great. I loved school. I'm a big geek. I want to learn all the time. You know, I did it by myself. I got a student loan and I studied really, really, really hard. And so that was a great time. I met new people. I met new friends. I was was driving, oh, this old car that was about to fall apart. I'm like, um, it was an old cab and it was propane. So it was cheap to drive. It always turned on and it overheated all the time. And when I say overheated, like the car would be driving, but you can't turn down the internal heat. So we're all on fire all year round. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I drove my friends around. I volunteered at stuff. I I think a lot of people would think that I would remember having a really difficult time and I did, but it could have been so different. I love my kid. My kid loved me. My kid was at my house all the time. (laughs) If I needed a break, you know, thankfully there were people who were around. Sometimes it was my family. Sometimes it was friends. Actually, at that time, my family, not so much, but... I got a break because my baby needs a break from me, and I need a break from my baby. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was it was a good time. It was a a lot of um, self development, a lot of trial and error, a lot of you know. Even though I say that I didn't want to get married, I wanted a relationship. I wanted somebody that my son could look up to, and that would hug me because you know when I had my son, I recognized that part of the reason that I had him was because I wanted someone to love me. And he did. And I was just like, but it's not your kid's job to love you in all ways. And so I didn't want to put that on him. And so I was like, let's get a (laughs) boyfriend.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I love how you like, hold on to the positive things. And even in our previous interview, her name is Ana Maria. She was in the in the podcast she also had kids when she was 25 and she also mentioned how her community like friends like family helped her out because she was also studying so just it's incredible right like the importance of the community and the people who love you or like that are around you
1: it is really important I will say it was a very small community I will say that um the people who helps me there is uh (laughs) There is an auntie for my son's father's side. I would not have made it. I would not have made it. if She didn't literally tell me on the days that I was sick that you're sick, I'm gonna take care of your baby. And I could trust her with my child 100% of the time. My family wasn't involved. We would see each other in passing, but they made it really difficult. And it's not that I don't remember, it's that I I know who they are and I know who I am. And I knew that I was gonna find whatever I needed, whatever my son needed, regardless. And so that's the happy part. That's the happy part. Is that uh, like I did it? I got through it. Somebody helps me. A few people helps me. Sometimes I had to yell. Sometimes I had to be mad. But I got it done. And thank those people. I'm so grateful. Sometimes I miss other in my life, uh, but I'm pretty sure they're still in my son's life. And that's the most important. And so when I say like self-development, this is what I mean is that sometimes I tell people if nobody wants to help you, I mean, it sucks, but the gift is that you figure out that you can do it. And so then you can be proud of yourself. And if you did it only by yourself, then nobody can mess with you. And so maybe a lot of people feel like nobody can mess with me, but it's because I know that I did a shit ton of things only on my own and nobody can take that from me
0: exactly i was gonna say that like no one can take it away so thank no. you for sharing that adora
1: you're welcome
0: i wanted to ask now that you were saying just that you have overcome a lot of things sometimes with support from loved ones and and many other times yourself you like you did it you got through it so now what do you do and what are your beliefs?
1: Oh, now I am, I'm a writer, I'm a producer, and I'm a comedian slash activist. So I am making impacts on my community. Like, <laughs> it's funny for me to say that at 25, I need I changing. change it. I'm just going to do something. I no clue that this was no idea to the point that it's even funny that we're going to talk about this now. Uh, When I was 25 and taking a, uh, I took a course at Mount Royal College, Beach 101, basically. And they call it a bird course because you fly through, it's easy. And for me, totally easy. I did noticed a lot of, I learned a lot in that class, even though it was easy. I learned so much, so much more than speech, but the Dean of speech and theater was my professor. And he pulled me aside one day and he said, I want you to come into my faculty. <laughs> he was like, I want you to join my faculty. And I said, what, 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 what are you talking about? And he's like, I want you to take theater or speech or something like at, and I was like, no, I'm, do, my, I'm already a single parent when my parents kill me like what what is what what, what am I gonna do with that and here I am <laughs> making speeches at Mount Royal University so I've been a keynote speaker uh, I've done comedy I like mm, interesting interesting how the world's trusts theater anyways all that's oh wow yeah so I would have never thought that I would be here I would have never thought that I would be at one point in time the person who led the most people in Calgary's led the most people in protest in Calgary's history and so huge gaps of time that people are not protesting nothing's happening and I brought that back I did not mean to trigger the freedom convoy that was not my fault that's not at all I did not have one conversation with those people about protesting. Anyways, um, I've led thousands, at least 30,000 people in protests. I'm president of Black Lives Matter. I'm a comedian. So I get up on stage and... You know, sometimes it's five people, <laughs> sometimes it's 5,000, and I make jokes, and I have a show called Living a Creative Life, and you know about that. I host that. I write for it, so everything that we talk about, that is from me, and yeah, I, I also help to produce that show, so sometimes I'm like, listen, we need more women, we need more trans folks, we need more disabled people, we need more old people, We need... <laughs> and I'm always saying that,
0: like, we need diversity and,
1: right? Yeah, and people need a platform and a voice, and we need to hear that. And so, yeah, uh, at 25, that single parent, I did not know that she was going to literally be written in newspapers and magazines and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I want to ask you though, like did your 25-year-old self ever dreamed of that? Or like how did their goals change? Because you were in anthropology, right? And I think right. that the dean was basically like join a class that basically you have to express yourself, like let it allow. Oh, <laughs> so like I wonder <laughs> if at twenty-five you were you ever saw yourself like as an artist?
1: Wow, these are great questions. And not because I feel like somebody has like tipped you off, but because I'm like, oh, I need all of this stuff. So thank you for what having taken this journey with me. I was at that point in time, uh, probably closer to a wallflower. And so I did like speak, but it's more it was. More like very rigid public speaking or, you know, reading text in, in front of folks and and such. And so it wasn't really about me and what I was creating and what I wanted to say uh, or express necessarily. And I didn't know that that was something I even really wanted to do. But I did know that visually that is the place that I needed to make impacts. So I'm 6'1", and I'm dark skinned and a black woman, and I am giant size. <laughs> And I'm going to say fat because if you go to the store, you don't find my size very easily. And so I'm plus size, curvy, all the rest of that. And I think it's fantastic. I say fat because fat looks good and it's a size, not a moral failure. If somebody wants to say that, I'm fancy. (laughs) And
0: also fat is just a word. Just a word.
1: Yeah. So I'm taking all that power back. But yeah, I wanted people to see that this looks good and that i value this and plus i (laughs) had been making stuff for myself because nothing fit for a long time so i was like this is part of my self-expression that's how i was expressing myself even though i was trying to wear a lot of like mainstream stuff so you would see me in like the gap or le chateau or whatever was you know of the moment from those stores i i've expanded since But yeah, I definitely at that time, I, like I wanted to be a model. I wanted to be a model because people told me I was ugly one too many times. And I was like, I have a nose. and I have two eyes and nose and I'm out. And so that is beautiful in whatever configuration. And shit, yeah, I feel like mine is real pretty. Even though I don't see myself in the magazines and I had a lot now because I come, here we go, age yourself again. I come from a time of magazines, like a uh, hard copy, You have it at your house. And I didn't really see too many people that looks like me, but the people who were there, I was like, I'm at least as pleasing as these folks. And there's more of me. Come on now. (laughs) And to be honest, I was modeling. I was modeling as a single parent student and my very first runway, I had been signed at like 20. Nobody, nobody wanted to book me. And so by 25, I was plus size and my very first fashion show real life walking the runway. uh, They put me in a corset, which is like lots of hooks, and I had a dresser, but the dresser couldn't get me in for the second pass. And let me tell you, I was so nervous. I was so nervous from the beginning because they just put you in a room and everybody's in the room and I'm like. Is somebody gonna lose their sight because my fat ass is here? Uh, nobody did, but I was like sweating. And you know, like in these moments, you like for me, I learned about myself. I was like, You're nervous and you're sweating, you're sweating, and you have to be calm, or else you're gonna keep sweating. And I did, <laughs> but I also got out on that runway and I walked, and even though I was late. My second go around, I still walk. And um, after all that was said and done, maybe some people were mad. I don't don't know. It doesn't even matter now. But this man came up to me with his daughter. And she was like, uh, I was also the only Black person there. She said, I'm so happy to see somebody who's different. Because I'm different sometimes. And she's like... (laughs) You're squishy a little bit like my mommy, <laughs> and she's like, and you're beautiful. And I was like, thank you. And I was like, you're beautiful too. I'll never forget that. And it, like, it's a little white girl. It's beautiful. And it's a white dad, yeah. And you know, I think about how people are afraid to come and talk to me, but that's always the person that I am. Like, if you're coming to tell me that I've impacted your life, even if it's negative, we can talk about it. Yes. We can do something about it. But for sure, if you're coming to tell me that uh, I've never seen anything like this and it makes me feel more validated as a person, that's really important because I had too many of those experiences that I never saw anything like myself and I'm, I'm continuing to have them. And so at 25, it was very affirming to be the old fat lady on the runway that connected with this child. And you know what? I continue to be the old fat lady on the runway. And I won't stop.
0: I love that. Yeah, because you're a model too. I don't, I don't think you mentioned you were a model at the beginning. Yeah, I, but yeah. And the
1: dot, 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 The dot, dot. <laughs> dot, 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 dot
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: makeup part is, um... Yeah.
0: There's nothing that you don't do. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's things that I do better than others. Please don't book me for singing. I can sing. I was in the Mount Royal Children's Choir. Uh, Mm -hmm. We went to the UK. Yeah, like I truly have done so, so much. I can sing. I can sing well. My stomach doesn't like it. I get super nervous. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that is very beautiful. Like you said about that. Thank you for sharing that anecdote, especially because as a person who also liked magazines and everything, like you are fed this idea like, oh, this is beautiful. And then when you don't see yourself, then you don't think that you are beautiful, right? So I think that's... um. Yeah, it's very important to, you know, put ourselves out there and so people can feel, like you mentioned, like validated and like, you know, and feel like, yes, you belong here.
1: Like, let's try at the yeah. very, like, let's try something new. Let's try something different. Might not be for you, might not be for that other person, but you've learned something. I learned yeah. so much that day one modeling. Yes, I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Adora, I want to ask you now what has been your biggest challenge and how do you deal with it or dealt with it
1: wow probably my biggest challenge was self-doubt it was which was only inhibited (laughs) or sorry which was only influenced more by racism and sexism and all these things that would reinforce that i wasn't good enough and The 25-year-old's me was definitely ready to prove to the world. Even though I was like, hey, this isn't Rahi, I wanted to prove to myself and the world uh, that I knew enough to be able to impact that thing by saying, hey, this is not okay. I didn't just want to do it because it was cool or because that was what was popular. I was doing it because I was like, this doesn't feel good to me. So something's got to be off. And so the self-doubt in like now, because I wanted to be as, you know, genuine and authentic and positive in whatever impact I was making. Yeah, I would question myself a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But also, you know, I have faced a lot of abuse and so that I was trying to think like one specific thing and so probably the thing that had the most impact on my life was I got hit by a, a car as in Adora versus versus Honda and I'm here today and the Honda is not <laughs> um so yeah I I'm here and the Honda is not there is way more many layers To that story. Now that I think about that, but uh, that was about eleven years ago. I had more children, so I am now a parent of three. Single parent again. More names. More children with my name. Yes, and that was who? That was rough because for the first time in my life, my body was not doing what my brain was telling it. Rather than my body doing something in my brain, not catching on because so many years later, we found find out I'm ADHD. Oh. And so this is why the self-doubt makes sense. This is how I could have been coerced. This is how I was constantly trying to prove, trying to learn, trying to figure out, trying to process because what I was thinking and seeing and processing, people are telling me, something mm -mm, is and you know what it wasn't it wasn't something different it was that i was processing something different so for instance these two things behind me are both blue but you might not we might only be able to tell that this one's blue right and so it wasn't quite that extreme but this one is navy blue And this one is royal blue and that's the difference. And I would consistently be like, no, this is navy blue and this is royal blue. And people would be like, no, it's no, it's not. That is just one example of a plethora of things that I was like processing. For instance, at church, I was like, "Uh, every child is a gift. How are you mad at me? (laughs) All the people who are doing the jiggy jiggy and haven't had any babies. What you mean? What? What? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. 25 was a lot, a lot of that processing and probably a 25, the hardest thing for me was uh, not getting along with my mom. I wanted my mommy and she was not able to be the mother that I wanted or needed. And she still is not. but she's still my mother. And we do not have a relationship, which is unfortunate, but I got three kids and I get to be their mom. And sometimes my friends show up and do mom things for me. A partner would be really great. <laughs> still, still thinking about that partner stuff. But yeah, uh, the self doubts I have have moved past on so many things. Not everything, <laughs> but you know, I like to say old is a privilege. So I type, I'm like the old fat model, right? Like <laughs> old is a privilege, fat is a size, and model means I'm really cute. Um, Even if I wasn't a model, I would still say I'm really cute and nobody can tell me any different, you know? um, I would struggle sometimes to say that I was beautiful or that I was attractive because I didn't want people to feel like I was saying it to make them feel bad because people will tell you that. And I'm like, no, this does not make me better or worse. This is just a fact.
0: Yeah, and they're projecting themselves. And also I find that I was reading somewhere that people are not used to people who are confident. So like, if you are, if you, if you say that, like, I'm cute. And like, like the way that our society operates, right? Like we're not used to people saying that. So that's why sometimes others like immediately like reject that.
1: I'm like, it's confidence, not arrogance. They are often mistaken.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And it's also because I endured a lot of bullying about the way that I look. And so why should I allow another person body visual like this to like see me accept that? like why can't they see somebody saying that this is great this is good and you know say it as if it's this is just a thing yes there's times that it's fantastic there's also times that it's not but i'm only saying it because in this moment i'm saying it like the sky is blue and that's okay and so i will wear my high heels i'll wear whatever i want i will represent myself how i choose because i have done Enough work on myself that I know, like if I make a misstep, for instance, in comedy, you know, I'm the comedian who's like, Yeah, you shouldn't just say anything. You first of all, it's supposed to be funny. Anything isn't funny. So for me, I just I feel like if somebody tells me no, that's not appropriate, I know that my intention is to not do a punch down, not try and make people feel bad. So yes, I'm gonna listen to you, and then I'm gonna decide. Sometimes people don't like what I'm saying; they think it's not appropriate. And uh, sometimes white people are upset because I say "born." My name is Adora Wonfor and I'm born, raised, and still living the racism dream in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um and. They can't be mad at me for that. You're living in privilege, making my life difficult. And you want me to be worried about your feelings. Are you worried about my feelings? Because that's that racism dream. I know that me doing whatever I want is your racism nightmare. <laughs> but we got to have balance, dreams, nightmares. How about in the real world, we're just good people. They don't like when I say that. But, you know, this is, This is why I'm the kind of comedian that I am is because those things need to be said and nobody's saying them. And sometimes we can laugh about it. And Black women have been taking the punch down as in being a literal punchline (laughs) forever. So this is my place to take up that space. And Black women aren't a punchline. We are not. And I won't make myself the punchline. I mean, I will say funny things about myself, but not the punchline.
0: And you're talking about yourself, not all black.
1: Who like women. who am I to talk for all black? Anybody like yeah. like like in comedy, literally, black women are the punchline. Like when they're looking for things to make fun of, the black woman is first. Oh, yes, and they're happy to do so. We're always like Chaninqua or too loud or too fat or your mama, so, or all these things which you know, over time, the the anthropologist in me is like, hey, this is because Black women were enslaved and the labor that we did had no value attached to it. And this is why women are still fighting for wage equality. And if we continue to do crap like this, it's never gonna happen. So stop using Black women as a punchline because all it shows is that you don't value Black women. Now, that doesn't mean that Black women can never be part of the joke as a punchline. It means that that shouldn't be the go-to because we are literally the most marginalized. And when I hear folks, listen, if you want to talk about things being difficult at Black and women, we can be Muslim we can be trans, we can be disabled, we can be deaf, we can be poor, we can be sex workers, we can, be like, anything that you, We Black women could be that thing. We can be Jewish, we can be literally in the Ukraine with all of those things attached to us at this moment in time. And so, this is why we talk about intersectionality, and so many people miss it. The experience could be so much worse, and the people who are experiencing this are consistently leading the charge to make change and we are not being heard. We are not being respected. We are not being valued. And so that's why for me, self-doubt is no longer, it can't be a thing anymore. I can't keep doing it to myself. I've already proven it. Just the fact that I'm a black woman means I already did it. And so yeah, that number one, that's a thing that has been the hardest for me is the self-doubt. But I'm finding out that you know, ADHD is, is a struggle that many people don't truly understand. I don't even, I've known so many things about myself, but because I couldn't engage in it, I couldn't think about it. I had to cope. I had to find a way to work around it. I didn't really know. And the pandemic has shown up and left. And who's masking anymore? I'm not really masking. I'm out here in my glasses on a regular basis. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I don't have a rumble. the glass. I forget that they're there most of the time, but I know for, you know, what people think it's pretty privileged. Like things are different. I've been cute and not cute. Cute is better. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, oh yeah. But also like, this is an acceptable disability. And so I'm almost legally blind. So if I take off my glasses, Oh, oh, oh yeah, I can, I would see that you're there, but I, there's no way I could read anything on the screen. Nothing, not one thing. So, you know, I'm finding out that the older I get, 25 was great. I wouldn't go back. I, <laughs> I don't need to be 20. Ah, knees at 25, maybe. But I'll <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, Adora. But now I wanted to ask you, now that you're talking about even just being here as a Black woman, that means that, like, I've proving them wrong. And I wanted to ask if you could share about a time in which you succeeded. So what happened and what did you do? It, whatever success means for you. Oh,
1: wow. Wow. I'm going to say this year. I'm going to say that this year's success, success, it's been a very difficult year on many fronts, but I have taken on many challenges and succeeded. This year, I debuted theater. Where, um, where? Yeah. Ellipsis Tree Collective is a okay. the group and it's out of Ghost River Theater. Okay. And so we did a show called The Anthropology of Blackness. And it was really about devising, which is creating a narrative and a story and presenting it on many different le- levels through theater, whichever way that it was. And so we did movement, we did acting, speech. And I sang. I wrote and sang a song.
0: That's amazing. I thought it was gonna it was coming up, so he'd already but are you guys gonna like already, have?
1: so my director checks out of Toronto and so they're looking to develop maybe some stuff. I don't I'm not quite sure, but we're friends now and so we kept in contact, but I had never done theater, live theater in this manner with cast and a crew and lights and like lights and camera and signals and if you don't make your mark you, you know, all these things and then wrote the song and performed it and, and so that's a huge success for me because I'm really a dancer when I was little I wanted to be a ballerina and so I danced I wrote my own script and delivered it And I wrote a song and sang it. And then I, you know, in my wildest dreams when I was maybe eight years old, but I guess I knew something at eight years old, but definitely at 25 that I don't think that I knew I could use my voice. Let me take that back. I knew I could use my voice, but I wasn't sure if my voice was impactful or valuable. And now I value my voice. So 100% it is. Should I always be using the voice? No. (laughs) Yeah, I I was successful because I was dedicated and I was determined and I worked really hard. And to be quite frank, it was during a time that I was also protesting daily. And so it was heartbreaking to know that I'm living my dream. And the world is on fire. The reason that I fight is so people can live their dreams. And so if I don't, it's not fair to me, it's not fair to the
0: world. Exactly. Oh my gosh, no, that's incredible. Like I love hearing your experience doing that and just you know, accomplishing your childhood dream. Like that's incredible and beautiful. And what you say about that too. Like you accomplishing your dreams opens the door for others, right? Like Like, if they see you, it's like, oh,
1: like that. It's partly like if they see, but it's also partly like if I see, like if I'm impactful and I have voice and people are going to hear me, then I got to do things that are worthwhile at the very least to me. And sometimes that's taking a nap. You know what I mean? (laughs) You can't talk. You can't talk the talk and not walk the walk. <laughs> People need food, shelter, heads. they need all those things. They need love, They but they also need a dream. Like they need to have something that they are excited about every day, whether they accomplish it or not. And then we also need to understand that if I am leading and I don't have the experience or I don't know something, then it's missing something and we, we gotta find you know, that other part. And so that's why I share my experience more than anything else, because I don't have a degree in rocket science. (laughs) So there's no need. There's no need for me to talk about that. I talk about things that I know that are impactful, that I'm sure about, Uh, and when I'm not sure about, I go and find out.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Like, there's this uh, quote, and I guess it applies to speaking and everything that says, like, write about what you know, right?
1: Exactly. That is exactly Write what you know. And so, speak what you know, dance what you know. But here's the other part to that is, if you don't know, go find out.
0: I love it. And, Adora, now, can you share a time in which you failed? So, what happened how did you handle the situation? And what did you learn? So it can be anything, something huge, something small with work or family or friends or something. that Give me anything.
1: I, here's the thing is that I, in my mind, I probably think fail. But in the world, I'm like, I learned something. And so probably I was, I was in a comedy competition. I didn't like where I placed And the host like sucked, the host could not get a laugh, like literally not one laugh. And so contestant number one, two, nothing like "Mm, rough. For comedy, you need a warm crowd. Your audience needs to be ready to laugh. And so I created that for the next person everybody who came after me. And so I felt like since I did that, since I was able to show that skill, that that should have been considered. And it wasn't. And it's fine. I'll be honest, I've, I was pretty salty. I have been salty about it. But what that failure taught me was that that's not the place for me. It taught me that I'm like the sweetest peach and everybody hates peaches. It's taught me that <laughs> literally these people don't value me even though the whole room was laughing, even though I was doing the thing that three people before me couldn't get done, the person after me and the person after me and the person after me, you know, got. I actually, I got an honorable mention. So they knew, but they didn't want to give it to me. And those places aren't for me. And it took me a really long time to learn that lesson and to understand that it's more of a lesson than it is failure. And so I'm probably terrified of failure, but I got to do it now. I'm heading to pasture, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm closer to 50 than 30. And so we're getting closer to the end times and I'm gonna change the world. See, like <laughs> you said, <have> that mindset. <laughs> I haven't changed the world yet. I'm gonna change the world. Uh, and every time somebody tells me, you're part of the reason, Western Canada, they weren't talking about racism. They weren't having an anti-racism conversation. The police did not know their history, their foundation, their roots. That hmm. And so because I am bold and stubborn and ADHD, so I ain't not get it, I'm <laughs> uh, part of what propelled that conversation to be changed. For people, now we got to do something about it. These people are like, we talking. I was like, that's not what I said. I didn't say talk about it. I was we got to make some change. They thought I said, talk about, make some change. Anyways, uh, I still don't feel like it's enough, maybe. I don't doubt myself. I feel like the things that I will do will be more focused Because I know me. I know what I like and what I don't like and how to say it most of the time. I still have a lot of things to do before I feel like I've changed the world. Okay. (laughs) And because you were now talking
0: about not stopping until you feel like you've done enough to like make things better for people. This leads me to my next question, which is what has motivated you or what
1: motivates you? My motivation is growth and joy. Like I'm the happiest when I'm learning something or I'm doing something. Here's the rub is that you don't always learn it the first time. So you're pretty miserable. I'm pretty miserable. And so I get it. And I'm beginning to value that part too. But... Yeah, I'm motivated by self growth. Like, I want to see what I can do. And like, sometimes the self growth is knowing sit down, take a break. It's time for somebody else to take that over. Like, I'm going into my business phase of my life and creating things that I feel like are going to make an impact on my legacy, my children, and these articles that are written about me. <laughs> I some stuff to add to that. But my motivation, I just like, I love people. I get real frustrated, okay, but I'm an extrovert who is introverted and yeah, I just wanna see people happy and joy, like I love happiness. And I feel the most at peace when I know that I did my best.
0: Thank you for saying that. Yeah, like you radiate that love,
1: like. <laughs> it's so easy. We can all do that. And I feel like if we all do that, we will be the best whatever it may be. And do we need all these labels? Okay, maybe we do. Maybe some people like that. Maybe we don't. But I feel like we're still going to get a scientist. We're still going to get a doctor. We're still going to get somebody in space. We're still going to get somebody who is like organizing our lives and the earth and garbage. And you know, like it takes all kinds of people to be here. And then imagine how many more things we would have if folks got to, you know, express themselves freely.
0: Yeah, and if they all got the same opportunities.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, I I guess we're going to find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And Adora, I want to ask you, you were saying that self-growth motivates you and people. And you've mentioned that, you are a comedian, activist, writer, producer, model, mom. <laughs> so I want to ask, you know, what are your goals or plans for the future? Ooh, ooh, ooh,
1: ooh. Good question. I finally have an answer. <laughs> I'm starting a small business. My small business, it is going to be personal body care products and really be sort of outdated traditional term for that is feminine hygiene. And so it is for people who have menses or incognitants. And yeah, so young people, older people. um, I also want to talk about how gender is not always at play for this. And it's not always what we have traditionally thought. So there are men who can have a beer It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're just like, this is not the moment to have the fight, but we're going to start talking about it in the world because it is so important to include different kinds of experiences uh, into whatever we're doing. And so for me, (laughs) I know how many times I've been misgendered. And I have uh, a whole lot of privilege in that. And so I want to make sure that period poverty is ended. I want all genders to be able to take care of their bodies and not feel shame. I want different options because not everybody has access to clean water. I, uh, so, You know, like, like having your period can be as Painful as a heart attack. We need to talk about these things. We need to talk about these issues, and it needs to be done with care, concern, uh, and with experience. Uh, and so, I want to create a community that is open to new things and trying new things and researching new things. And so, I'm going to start small, and then hopefully grow as time goes by. And for sure, I want to be socially conscious and eco-conscious. So those things are part of it too. But that is coming up 2023. I will have my business in the world. At this moment, it is called Freed. Bloody right. <laughs> okay, so
0: it's a F-R-E-E-D? Yes. Okay, I love it. Do you, So it's a next year. Do you have like a month yet? Or do you have a website yet? So
1: I you can do share. not okay. have that website, but I am sharing my personal website, which you can book me for styling. You can book me for comedy, public speaking. You can find out what I'm wearing, if something is navy or blue. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, that is blueforia.com. And it's blueforia.com. B-L-U-U-P-H-O-R-I-A. Okay, I'll put it on the episode description. And so, yes. And so, like, if you want to book me for comedy or public speaking or an anti-racism consults, because, number one, I know about that stuff. Number two, anthropologist's point of view. Number three, I know about Calgary. I know about calgary people you lived here 47 years 47 years in calgary and so there's so many things that have happened that people don't know or understand and for instance there used to be like a golf club that did not let black people in while i was still alive 1986 was when they stopped yeah yeah and so so many people don't know that. So they're like, Calgary would have never. The, they have now done a, a production about it, but there's a theater downtown. I can't remember what it's called right now for my life, but they had a fight with a Black man. And yes, yes, yes. So what's here? And so many people don't know about these things. And even when they're reported, they're not amplified. And so, yeah, people can find me. People can find, I'm going to have a little blog over there. Oh, uh, nice. You want to, to buy some of my clothes, that kind of thing for fun. For fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love that. And, Adora, I have three more questions. I want to ask, you mentioned like 25. I don't think I'll do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but if you could go back to when you were 25, will you change anything or make things different? Or just do you don't want to go back at all?
1: You know, if I'm going to be honest, the only regret I have in my life is that I didn't have children with people who wanted like a viable family and, or who wanted my children because none of them were plants because birth control babies. But I think the only thing that I maybe would have changed at 20, yeah, probably not at 25. At 25, I would not do it again. It was an awful but so many of the people who I influenced and improved their worlds, they didn't deserve that. And that's why I wouldn't just go back. But yeah, the only thing I would change is maybe maybe knowing I had ADHD. If I, yeah, maybe that's the thing that I would change if I could change something. Knowing that, yeah, so I would already change the world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and now that you're saying this what advice you have for today's 20 something or because you just said like i wish i knew i had adhd (laughs) so what advice do you have for today's 20 something
1: yeah go find out if you have adhd (laughs) (laughs) actually Um, after our
0: conversation i'm like i wonder if i have adhd (laughs) maybe i should get
1: checked because (laughs) I think it's going to be helpful, right? Some people don't need that because some people's families, they just had an idea and so did. We We weren't so much. So um, the advice that I would have for folks who are 25 is that, you know, life comes at you fast and you never know what it's going to be. So enjoy this. Enjoy this time. Enjoy this moment. It's never going to be 25 again no matter how many times you think about it or you watch that video, it's never going to be 25 again. And so that might freak some people out. (laughs) And so to add to that, like it gets better. It gets better. And that's why I'm like, I don't need to go back to 25 because it got better. I knew myself more. I knew what the world was about more. I knew what I wanted to do more. The knees did not get better, but I'm working on it. But yeah, it's only, you're only 25 once. And no, you are not a child, but that's the beginning of you being an adult. And so enjoy it. Take time to enjoy it. Make some mistakes, probably not the ones that are going to end the life. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Make sure you like double check when you're bungee jumping. But yeah, take those chances because you're never going to live this moment. Again, that's for everybody, but 25, four. Sure. Know that old is a privilege. And so you don't have to freak out now. You don't have to have it all figured out. I'm guaranteeing you there are 60 and 75-year-olds who don't have it figured out at all. So if you make some mistakes now, you'll probably figure out some stuff, figure out the stuff for you before you figure out stuff for others the people which doesn't mean be selfish
0: <laughs> yeah. i love that thank you so much adora and i want to ask you is there anything else that you'd like to share that you think it's important and i didn't ask you
1: i would just say that the world is changing and what was 25 25 years ago and 50 years ago is not what it's going to be in the next 25 years. And so understand that when you're now looking back at your 25, how are you going to see this person like the 50 year old And that doesn't mean like you figure it out or anything like that. It just means that if it doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to, it's okay. Probably better than what you thought anyways
0: yeah it's probably how it was meant to be right yeah oh that's amazing yeah. thank you so much adora it was lovely to see you again and like chat with you and hopefully yeah we can catch up and meet another time
1: <laughs> We're sure we are
0: thank you very much for listening If you like the episode or you think it'd be helpful for someone you know, I encourage you to share it. This way, you're also supporting the growth of this podcast. If you're someone or know someone who would like to share their experience as being 25, you can reach me at andrea.project25 at gmail.com. You can also follow Project 25 on Instagram as project.xxv so that's 25 just in roman numbers (laughs) thank you again for being here i hope that you have an amazing rest of your day bye bye